Hi everyone, Ima Sumak here. In this first episode, one of the areas I really wanted to explore is how do we find love in schools? I've had the blessing to have many opportunities to visit classrooms on a regular basis in Southern California. I say it's a blessing because this opportunity affords me the ability to connect with children and youth who still have this capacity to be present. They're not convinced of the need to wear a straight jacket that the world has tried to to place on them. They're still laughing joyously. They wonder openly. They touch each other freely with hugs and fist bumps and shoulders crashing into each other's reeling from the jokes that they've just shared. And then the bell rings and they summarily quiet into a stupor as they sit in rows and wait to be taught. The United States, like most countries in the world, are trying to find the most innovative, rigorous, critically demanding and relevant curriculum and strategies to teach this wonderful upcoming generation. And in many ways, we found it. Again and again, I see wonderfully planned, executed and assessed lesson plans, learning objectives that are clear, important information that is delivered, students required to ask relevant questions that are tied explicitly to the information that was just presented. There's an exit ticket at the end that ties back to the learning objective to allow them to reflect on what just happened. And still, there's a tightness in the air that seems to stifle all the learning that would have been had in that moment. This taut stillness seems to suck life out of the air as the period ends and students file out only to come alive again in the hallways where they connect with each other once again. And the question I keep asking is, why is this? I know that so many teachers, administrators, and schools, researchers, all of them well-intentioned in their efforts to provide a rigorous learning experience in schools. But what of love? Where does love show up in our learning cultures? In observing classrooms again and again, teachers are directing, instructing, principals are administering and managing, cafeteria and recess aides are ordering and serving. But who is loving? How can we hope to uplift the whole human being if we don't see the whole human being? Because a big part of the whole human being is the love that animates them. So recently, I've been deeply drawn to learning more about the experience of students in schools that were legally segregated before 1954 in the United States. Many of the elders in my life who were in those schools tell me of a time when teachers loved them, when teachers knew their parents intimately. They were their friends, their neighbors, their church-going members. They knew their students were the best of them. They also knew their students' education was a community effort. And when students would rise, the whole community rises. In Vanessa Walker's book, Their Highest Potential, she highlights the belief system that pervaded the school. These kids' success is all of our business. And with this belief in front of them, teachers would stay overtime for professional development. Parents would sacrifice financially to ensure that the school had all it needed. Home visits were part of the home-to-school connection. The entire movement of the community and school were centered around the upliftment of the student. This was not a program or a strategy the school was implementing. It was a belief system that they centered around. Because when you believe something, you don't have to think about it. 
It is evident in all of your actions. It governs your choices. It shapes your language. It infuses all of the spaces you inhabit. Now, I'm not suggesting we return to legally segregated schools, though there's evidence that we are more segregated now than ever before. The time of seeing each other as separate tribes and people is rapidly coming to an end. We are one people, one race, and the recognition of this truth is quickly unfolding in its stead. Now, the scientific evidence of the oneness of humanity has been unequivocally proven. It is not a matter of hard science or strategies we are after. It is a matter of the human heart. And this is much more delicate work. Because the oneness of humanity has to come from a belief system. When you believe something, you're invested. Remember, it is infused in everything you do. And so if I believe in the oneness of humanity, then it is all learning that is animated by love. For I want to know about you, learn with you, from you, because I know that you bring something of great value to the table, as do I. So how can we learn from communities that have not only survived, but flourished despite the odds against them? The peoples of African descent have been under the yoke of oppression the world over due to colonialism and the instrument of whiteness it used to measure the worth and value of human beings, allowing it to perpetuate enslavement, securing free labor. The indigenous peoples of the Americas, whose land was given freely to European males, while they were displaced and their profound knowledge of natural sciences destroyed, continue to be pushed to the fringes of society, always their name, Indio, said with a bitter taste in the mouth. And the people of Asian descent, who tried to balance the dangerous walk of assimilation and preservation, assimilating to a country's dominant culture to survive while staying connected to their ancestral heritage, And what of those of European descent, who refuse to forget the injustices that were done to others in their name, who strive to find their roots and honor their ancestors' resistance to oppression by calling out the beast out loud, who expects them to also be loyal to whiteness. In la quech, they all say, tu eres mi otro yo, you are the other me. And when we believe this, and it infuses how we show up to the world, then if I disagree with something you have done or said, my response is, Let me learn more. Tell me more about your experience. There is something I do not know or understand that has led you to say what you are saying, and I want to understand, or at minimum be present and listen to the other me. When I walked out of those classrooms, I couldn't help but wonder what I would be thinking if I was one of those students walking into the class. After all the learning objectives and strategies and think-pair shares, I would want to know And are you happy to see me? Because after all, I think we all want to be bearers of joy. And my job as the adult in your life is to see you. In la quech. Until the next time.